I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to another installment of Awkward Sex and the City. I don't know. I'm standing right now because all of our chairs are in the living room and I was too lazy to move one of the chairs into the office. Not that you care at all, but it's giving me like a different vibe as I um, record this intro outro. And really, real quick, fun thing about this is I actually recorded this episode in February. It's now almost May. Um, so the episode itself, like my voice is really jacked. Um, I lost my voice for like half of February. and But this pod was already scheduled to record and um, I didn't want to cancel. So there's, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Um, how are you guys doing? What's up? How's life? It's starting to get sort of warm here in New York City, which is great. I love it. Um, we have another guest today. Who am I? Two guests in a row. Um, me trying to get my shit back together um, and doing it right, you know, doing the work. Um, our guest today is Laura Lee Abbey, um, who is just like a fucking gem. Like, I had so much fun talking with Laura. And the main thing that we talk about, well, we talk about a lot of things, which like, you know, always happens on the pod, which I love, is we talk about her brand new podcast, 17, which has released and you should go definitely download it, listen, like, subscribe, get obsessed with it, right? Um, And basically, it's about like, you know, her journals, uh, her high school journals, and with like a really fun twist on it. And I don't want to like, like ruin the surprise. I think you should just right now, pause, go download, go find it, go subscribe, 17. Um, I think you're gonna really love it. Another thing I love about this episode is it's, you know, a guest that I don't know in person. And I always love that because it just feels like such an honor for strangers to come on this pod and just tell me very intimate details about their life. Um, it takes a lot of vulnerability for someone to do that. And I'm always just so impressed and humbled and honored by that. And I think it's really, really cool. So I'm just really excited to hear what y'all think about this episode. Let me know. Remember to go rate, like, subscribe, download Awkward Sex and City, share with your friends. Um, I have some exciting news coming up, which I'll probably announce in upcoming episodes over and over again. I'm very excited to talk about It Doesn't Matter go listen to the episode it does matter obviously but like i don't want to take away from the episode we'll talk later we'll talk later it's all good
So first off, let's get straight into 17. Like the whole podcast. It sounds amazing. I listened to a few episodes and like Chef's Kiss. When is it officially released? Um, thank you. Yeah. So the first two episodes came out February 7th. And so each Monday we drop a new episode for a total of eight episodes. Oh, fuck yeah. And it's all you reading from your journal, from your diary when you're 17. So there's an actor playing, there's a 17 year old actor reading from the journals, which makes much more sense. And then I'm kind of responding to them. I am interviewing people who are in the journals. I'm talking about like, all that cringy sex stuff and, you know, the big and little experiences of being a 17-year-old girl in there. What inspired you um, to do this podcast, especially with like this type of like format too? So I am not going to lie. I like I always loved the idea of doing a podcast, but I, did, I really had no idea how it worked. Um, and so when Paradiso came to me, with all they knew is they had um, a really successful podcast in France. It translates to my 14 years and a journal, a French journalist went back to her journal from when she was 14 and she kind of relived um, losing her virginity and that whole year. And so they wanted to make something for an American audience, but they didn't know quite what. So they were looking for a writer who also kept journals and uh, that was me. So I really learned as I went, it's in terms of writing with a team and working with producers and then you know, recording and it was so much fun and such a learning experience. Even like the tough stuff, sharing it actually felt really good to do. Cause I just felt like I was like wrapped in this warm hug of this really supportive production team. Um, so yeah, so we kind of worked on it together and came up with what it was going to be and, and you know, what each episode was going to be about based on, of course, what was in my journals. And we went from there. You have a favorite journal entry and do you have the cringiest journal entry that you uh, that are in the podcast. And then also maybe you didn't put in the podcast because you were like, oh, I don't know about this one. <laughs> oh yeah. There's certain things that I'm like, nobody actually ever needs to hear this, but I think I decided to just go full speed ahead with like big shrug. What do I have to lose? I'm just going to share all this stuff. So, I mean, episode two, I really hit the ground running. There is a journal entry where I am like, I hooked up with two guys at a party this weekend. I gave blowjobs to both of them. And then like the first guy I go into detail, I'm like, we didn't really hook up. Like I gave him head and he ate me out. And I'm like, that's really, really hooking up. Like what was my <laughs> definition of hooking up back then? Like so embarrassing. No, I don't think that's you at all. Our definition was um, so skewed. Like when I was growing up, so I was 17, that would have been 2005 for me. And like, one, the early outs are not good to women nope, of nope, any nope. like sexual preference. And it was like, you were a slut if you had like penetrative sex. It was like, that was what hooking up was. And that's yes. what like made you a slut. So there was all these like loopholes, right? Like, Giving head wasn't hooking up. Getting like eaten out wasn't being wasn't hooking up or like anal. And now you look back and you're like, these are like probably some of the most intimate parts of sex. Yes, like, yeah. And just like penetrative sex is so like heteronormative. Like sex does not have to be penetrative. So it's just like again, not that's not on you at all. That was like society just trying to shove this certain like idea of what sex was down or, or like the roads for so long. Yeah. You know what? You're right. But it's still so cringy <laughs> to read it and then be like, wait, you were insecure, but you let him like put his face between your legs <laughs> with this guy you barely knew. So yeah, that is um, sharing that stuff and being like, okay, now the whole world knows that I gave really bad blowjobs and that's out there and we can just be done with that. Oh my God. Do you think your blowjobs were bad at 17? Um. Probably because I had literally no idea what I was doing. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I was so afraid to give head that I did not give head until I moved to New York City and was 23. I was like so afraid of penises. Oh, I mean, they're scary. They're scary. <laughs> I remember in college, my friend, like we were all out and it was very clear that I was going to go home with this guy. And my best friend like pulled me into a bathroom and literally was like, this is how you do it. And like pretended she was like giving a blowjob and just like went through like, these are the best moves. This is what you're going to do. And I was like, oh, okay. I am, um, I guess I'm ready to go try Give us another <laughs> whirl. I feel like there's blowjobs were really put on a pedestal and like in retrospect, it's truly like probably one of the easiest sex acts. I feel like it's very, um, 
uh, what's the word? Once you're in it, you're like, oh, okay. But I feel like going down on someone with like a vagina is way more like intricate and like way more, um, way more steps and things like that than just like the dick. It's like, oh, you do this motion with like this hand motion. <laughs> yep. Try not to bite it. And then otherwise, like you're good. But like to your point, like I was very afraid I was giving bad blowjobs for a long time too. I give bad hand jobs. I have my heart is not in them. <laughs> I really barely give – I, like, I don't even, like, bring out lube. I'm like, this is this is fine. Uh, this is just for, like, a jumping-off point. Just enjoy but. this dry, this dry, sweaty <laughs> hand. <laughs> right. This is very dry, very dry hand. When would you say you started to become, like, looking back at the journals, when you became, like, the – sexually active isn't the right word. Maybe, like, sexually curious when you were, like, oh, like, I'm going into – like horniness and I'm feeling my body feel certain things when I see certain things on like TV or like things like that. Yeah. I think I was so, I was less, this is such a, like, I I hate, I want to tell every young woman not to do this, but I was so, I was so much less concerned with my own horniness, my own interests, my own pleasure. And so much more interested in like, how do I get good at, you know, blowjobs, for instance, how do I be cool? How do I get guys to like me? And that was probably like 16, 17. I think at 17 is when I was like, if guys are going to like me, I'm going to have to be good at all of these sex things. And that is my mission. And like, did not really think about what do I want? What would feel good for me? Um, Which is so ridiculous. And it really like after a couple of years of that, like I think in college, I was like, oh my God, let's let's think about me for a change. Yeah. I don't think I ever like had a... Uh, my first orgasm until probably like my third third sexual partner no maybe fourth I don't feel like I had any actual orgasms from another person in college like at all because like to your point there was that like need to be this good person at sex because I I don't know if it's like if it was like society or like tv but it's just like oh no if you are bad at this you are not human like you are not worthy of anything right um and then yeah it takes a second to finally learn into like oh i am a part of this like transaction this sex like i want to also and you know what orgasms are because you've given them to yourself and you're just like oh i guess this just is like what it is and then you learn oh i gotta figure out what i like right it's so yeah i look back it's like some of the the people I slept with. And I'm like, why were you doing that? That wasn't really, like, <laughs> I guess it was a little fun for you, but you certainly didn't get the ending that <laughs> would have made you happy. <laughs> I used to do journals too. I stopped in high school or like maybe like 14, 15. And I threw them all away, to be honest, because <gasps> no. I know I'm a little mad at myself for throwing them away, but the grammar was what really got me. I had terrible, I mean, I still have terrible grammar when I write, but when I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, like Natalie, like you don't know how to like create a proper sentence. Uh, <laughs> this is embarrassing. I don't want anyone to ever see this. And I just like threw them away. Was there anything in the journals, like besides like sex stuff that you were like, whoa, like this is really cringy and like embarrassing or, or even just like, look how far I came looking back on that. Yeah. I think a lot of the insecurity, which, yeah, I mean, sex is like a glaringly obvious thing to be insecure about as a young woman, but just in my body and myself, I've been tall my whole life. I'm a big presence. I'm a loud mouth. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, you were so annoying, but also like at some point you have to embrace that about you. Like I've embraced that I'm a big, annoying, loud mouth and that people have for some reason loved me my whole life. Right. So like there's a lot of insecurity around that, not being small enough, not being this enough, not being that enough. And, and realizing that, yeah, it took a few years to kind of work into feeling comfortable in that, in that body and in who I am. And you know, you feel bad when you look back, but also at the same time, like, of course you had to learn. Of course I wasn't a 17 year old who was just really full of confidence and had things figure out. I mean, I'm almost a 37 year old who doesn't have everything figured out. So I think it's a process your entire life. So, uh, so much of this stuff is just like, Oh, if I only knew then. <laughs> and it's so freeing to you the moment you realize like, um, you never fully know, you know, like until like we die, like we never fully know because we're constantly changing and growing. May I ask how tall you are? Five foot 11. 
That is tall. That is tall. And I say that just because, as you know, uh, tall girls get a lot of shit. And it's like, why? Like, they're just tall. Like, I don't know if you saw Netflix, but literally the movie Tall Girl. I literally just found that the other day. I was doing laundry. <laughs> and I was like, what's on Netflix? I'm like, there's a movie about being too tall in high school. But I mean, a lot of it was right. And in, in high school, I was taller than most of the boys. So they just... The boys that were shorter than me felt com- like completely off the table in terms of love interests mm-hmm. back then. And, you know, the one boy that was tall was obviously the most popular because he looks like a grown man. <laughs> so I had a crush on him. <laughs> I mean, my mom would literally say, like, you need to date someone taller than you. So it makes you look smaller. Yeah. And it was like, I'm five foot fucking two. Like, I, I'm already so petite. And also, like, who cares, like, what you look like next to your partner? It's just... Our mothers, that generation, I'm just like, y'all got a very bad hand. Oh, I love my mom more than anything, but like she's been a fat shamer my whole life because she was raised that way. She lived Mm -hmm. in a world where that was the worst possible thing you could be. And I'm like, girl, who let, let, let everyone wear a crop top. Why do you give a shit? Like she just can't help herself. But yeah, same. Like we were so... We were just being coached, like be small, be demure, you know, be a little quieter, be agreeable. That is something I think I really love about like, because we're like similar in age. I'm 33 and I love this generation of women because we went through all that shit. We went through the fat shaming. We went through the slut shaming. And somehow I also went through the like, I'm not like the other girls, like girl shaming, like, um, oh my God, stage two. And then to watch all of us, majority of us like kind of get over that hill and see like the other side and I just feel like women are so fucking cool now and just like so interesting and so like confident and like learning and growing and just so much happier and I do wish like our moms got to do that I feel like our moms never got over that hump like yeah my mom is constantly on a diet like I have been like I think you might have like an eating disorder or at the very least disordered eating. And like, they get very mad at me and it's like, ultimately you can't save them. You can't change them. But we at least found like the strength and the ability to be like, you know what? I'm taking control of what I want my life to look and feel like, which means like, maybe I am going to be fatter. Maybe I'm going to be loud at five eleven and like make people around me deal with it. And then you see how much people still love you no matter what. Um, I get so sad when I think of moms. It's like, no, I want you to experience what we get to experience. Where you get to go and like make a podcast about your journals at 17. You get to look back at like how crazy and silly and dumb, but also still smart and fun and interesting you were like in your youth. Yeah, I know. It's so funny too, because obviously, you know, the de- by definition, writing a- in a journal is this private thing. So if 17 year old me knew that adult me would would be so just loved and confident and feeling so secure in like the life and I have and the friends and family I have to be putting all of that like real stuff out into the world. Like I I hope she would be <laughs> hope she would be happy about it. Um to know that like it's everything you went through made got you here t- to where you are today, which is it's you feel good, you're you're happy. And so, you know, you gotta go through it to get there, right? Absolutely. And you are a very open book. You also have is it, I'm sorry, is it one or two books that you have written? I have a, um, I have a book, a wedding guide, um, a wedding planning book for same-sex brides. And I have a, it's an Amazon Kindle single. I don't know if they publish them anymore. So it's like a super, super short memoir, really about falling in love, the shit show that was falling in love with my wife. Oh my God. Can, can we talk more about that? Sure. Like, why was it a shit, shit show? Like that's such a very specific term to use. <laughs> So my wife and I met in our sorority in college and it was like a super boy crazy. Um, it's just like a bunch of like straight white girls. Um, that was my sorority at the time when she showed up, she came in our sophomore year. So I was already, um, a sister. We just immediately had this. I look at it now and I'm like, Oh, duh. Like now I know what it was, but it was kind of like this spark between us. Of, I was like, well, I hate her. And, you know, we didn't always get along. And then, you know, there was like just weird jealousy issues. And I was like, I have literally never felt this way, like about friends. I've never been a jealous person. And um, we just, we were all over the place. And then we finally, you know, I finally admitted to her that I had feelings for her. And I think we probably like said, I love yous. And then I went off for a semester abroad. Like it's the most collegey 
thing that could happen. And then what did she do? She went and, and uh, she had some hookups with other sorority girls when I thought we were very much in a committed relationship. So um, it was just, it was, we were 19, you know, so it was stupid, but yeah, it was a total mess. It was a total mess. And we just kept coming back to each other and sticking together. And just, it was like the relationship that just wouldn't end. And now we're married with two kids. So how long have y'all been married? We have been married. It will be nine years in September. Oh my God. Congrats. Yeah. Time flies. Jesus. So did you like literally say I love you right after you were like, I have feelings for you? Like that is so quick. I Okay. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It was like a really drunken disaster night where we first kissed and I admitted my feelings for her. And then she had come from this world where she had dated guys and girls. And so it wasn't that big of a deal for her. And this was like my whole life was just turned upside down by this, this idea that I could have feelings for it, another f- female. And so I took it very seriously. It turns out, I don't think she did quite at the time, but yeah, I don't know if we were, I mean, we were definitely like really in it. She came to Europe to visit me. So I think at that point we were saying, I love you. You know, you're, you're chatting on AIM late into the night. And oh yeah. Very serious, very early 2000s stuff. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of just putting all my feelings out there probably too fast and getting hurt. Well, I mean, that's so fair though. Like, because you said you were 19, this was also new. And then just to be in a sorority in it all as well, just like, I th- feel like all the pressure around a sorority, especially like, was your college like very sorority frat heavy? No, it was, we went to Emerson in Boston, which is how I ended oh, up in a sorority. Okay. Because I was like, where are the kids that just want to like get, everyone was so creative and smart and interesting, but I was also like, where are the people that are just going to get drunk and party with me? Um, right. <laughs> so there was not a big Greek life there. So it's like all those people we like, that's how we found each other. So yeah, it was like, we, I kept the whole thing a secret from, you know, most of the sorority girls for a long time, but oh God, it was like having a, we were in a fishbowl, like mm-hmm. so much drama, so much gossip, just so much everything. And oh God, I look back and I'm like, so you like fell for a girl, like you made it so dramatic, you made it so much harder on yourself. But again, Hindsight is 2020. Oh, yeah. When would you say the turning point was where you both were like, oh, this is serious. Like, this is, let's give this a try for real, for real. I had sworn her off probably around junior year of college. And we always talk about, I was that summer, I was nannying for a wealthy couple in Boston. So I spent all my weekends in their beachfront Cape house. Um, oh my just God. Like amazing. That summer I read the classics and like at night they would make lobster and like, I would drink wine with them. And it was just like the most low key, but like ridiculous for a college student in summer. And she would just text me incessantly. And she was like, just on this mission. And so when school started up again, I think the September of our senior year, she was like really out to hook me and it worked. And then, and then she left for a semester in LA for our last semester of college. And then I, I don't know, being young and stupid sometimes can work in your favor. Uh, we graduated and I was like, I'm moving to LA and we're moving in together. And we just did that, which I think my parents were like, you're what? what? Yeah. Did your, like, did your parents know about all the drama? Like, were they I had like- told my mom about a lot of it. I think the big shock for her was like, you're dating a girl. But for me, the big shock was like, People hurt each other, mom. <laughs> what? <laughs> People lie about their feelings. So I, there was so much for her to process. And they, obviously I had told them that like this person hurt me, but now we're back together. And now you have to like her. And now I'm moving across the country to live with her. <laughs> and I think that was a lot. Are you guys still in LA now? No. Um, I lasted a year in LA. And then I was like, all my friends are in New York and my family, I'm from Long Island. So I was like, I need to, I got to go back. And uh, she came with me. Thank God. And so we were in the city until I got pregnant in 2016. And then we moved up to the Hudson Valley. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. This is a journey. I love that. I mean, so she was also probably, she was the first person of the same sex that you had sex with too. I feel like that would be so much pressure, especially knowing like the, that's like losing your virginity all over again. Like, especially knowing the other person has like had experience. Were you nervous? Oh, yeah. She still makes fun of me. I wouldn't let her touch me for so long. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so stupid, too. I'm like, oh, I would let these boys I didn't know, like, 
take off my pants. But once I really had feelings for her, it was like, you can't touch me. I'm, this is too scary. Oh, well, it is. Those types of feelings are scary. That type of intimacy is so real. When you look back at like hookups, you're like, yeah, of course it didn't, none of it mattered. And so exactly. there's that level of um, no fucks given with something like that. Yep. Yep. Oh, do you have a um, awkward moment with your wife? I'm so sorry. I don't know her name. Sam. Sorry. Sam. Yeah, name's Sam. Um, yeah. We, oh God, she's going to kill me. I love it. I'm, I'm always the one talking about this. And she's like, I never get to stand up for myself. <laughs> Our, so Emerson College every fall would like charter a bus to Montreal for a weekend and, you know, get, and you could pay to like, take the bus, get a hotel and basically just run free and just be drunk for a weekend. So I think we were sharing a room with like some of the other sorority girls and we were just all out drinking. And she was like, let's go back to the hotel. And I think that was like our first like real hookup. And I was like terrified. And she was like, just relax. And you're not just going to relax because somebody tells you to relax. So that was like our first one. And of course, like we had to share a room with people after it, you know, (laughs) very college, very college. And they didn't know yet, right? Like they had, they were none the wiser at this point. They did by then. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. By then. All that makes it harder too, because they're like, oh, look who left early and yep. now in the bed together. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And when you have a relationship that's so on again, off again, and there's just so much bullshit, like people get really tired of it really fast. Like they don't want to hear about it anymore. And they have so many opinions yes. too. Like it's, it is a tricky situation. And it's, to be completely honest, it's, you know, very, crazy that y'all made it, you know, to be that young with that much on and off again in a sorority, everyone's watching. It's so much pressure. It's very impressive that you guys are still together. Oh yeah. We just, we always laugh about it. We're like, we should have broken up so many times and it just just didn't. And uh, thank God we didn't because now, you know, I am so glad she's the best wife and we have the best little family, but I'm like, oh my God, if I had any brains whatsoever, like we would have parted ways 15 years ago. <laughs> what is your favorite thing about Sam? Um, oh goodness. What is my favorite thing about Sam? She is okay. So I think to a lot of people, she doesn't come off as cold, but she doesn't come off as like super warm and snuggly, but the people that she loves the most, like she will give me the dessert off her plate. Not that big of a deal, but like a big deal to me. I will give nobody the dessert off. my plate. Yeah. Like, she will just happily give me like anything that would make me happy, like always puts me first. And then, you know, we had kids. And so she's the same way with them. Like we have a five-year-old and a two-year-old and these boys are obsessed with her. Like you would think I'm a stranger sometimes. They just always want to snuggle her. And I'm like, anybody want to hug me? Like, no, no. Okay. You just want mommy? Fine. Like she is just a total like lover and will just put her loved ones before her, which is also like to the detriment sometimes of her own happiness. And so it's kind of my job to reel it in a little bit. Give that yeah. Back. yeah. I mean, so with being married and now having kids involved, like how does that change everything? And honestly, this is a selfish question because me and my fiance are thinking of having kids in, in like two or three years. And I also have a creative career as well. And I am like horrified that I will have a child and then I will no longer have a career. I'm very afraid of that. And I don't know if that's from uh, just like worst fear bullshit or like, is that a reality? Yeah, it is. I mean, look at parents now. Everyone is just hanging on by a thread. Uh, it is. Yeah. It's so challenging. Your relationship suffers because it's like, we just have to divide and conquer and like, we'll come back to each other eventually. Like we got to deal with them now. But yeah, I mean parenting is hard and then trying to still be creative. Like sometimes your brain is just not working at all. So yeah, trying to like get that, the creative juices flowing, but there's so much just like, all right, I'm going to work on this when the kids go to bed or someone's taking a nap. Like that's when I can get things done. Like hit me up weekdays between 1230 and 2:30 when my two-year-old's napping, like I'm free. <laughs> no, it's just like <laughs> kind of just rearranging every, everything, everything. Not kind of. It's rearranging everything. Okay, but you're but doable. Okay. That makes me feel better. Doable. I mean, also like Sam and I are not the kind of women who were like, 
we're going to have babies and we want to be around our kids 24 seven. And we're going to do arts and crafts. We're going to come up with fun games. Like we are very much like moms who love to be with our kids, but also like love when the school bus picks him up. Like, Oh yeah. Need, need that need date nights, need like the part-time nanny need daycare, like need all the help we can get. And so like a COVID life for us was, (laughs) was a real reality check, um, in terms of just like having to give them all of you. And then you, you become exhausted, but yeah, it's kind of this thing of like, if you want to get something done, you're just going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Do you feel I, so I was also a live in nanny for a long time and I've always been like, Oh my God, best birth control of my fucking life. Like there, it's just so hard. Do you think it helped at all having that type of like 24 seven experience in the past with children and the relationship? Yeah. I mean, I, it's so funny because I've just seen so many parents with so much money and so many resources still make it look so hard. Mm-hmm. So I think I realized like, yeah, this is, this is hard. I mean, being a parent, I would be insane to tell you it's not, but like, it's not as hard as some people make it, which I'm just like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like when we had our first you know, the first baby is so easy. Luckily, like the universe just kind of eases you into it. Like we had him and we just went on with our lives. Like we would bring him to like hang out at bars with friends. We brought him to Italy when he was six months old because we had a wedding to go to. Like we just like had a great fucking time (laughs) with him. And, you know, and then they get a little older and their needs change and you can't quite do as much. But yeah, I, I think I learned like even people with all the help in the world are stressed out. So like me, this regular person who is not going to have that, like I would love at the end of the day to be like, pat the kids on the head and be like, okay, here comes the nanny. Like, enjoy your bath. Good night. Like I'm off to go drink Chardonnay. <laughs> that is not my life. But yeah, I think I learned to be like, none of this is, is most of this is not life or death, you know, like try mm-hmm. to enjoy it. Even when it's chaos, even when my house is such a mess and I am beyond exhausted, like they're not always going to be interested in me and it's a short time that they're little. And so sometimes I try to embrace it. And other times I'm like, I need to pay someone to watch them and get the hell away from them. Oh yeah. And, and that's okay just, too. Absolutely. But I say that's so fair. Like you have to have your me time and alone time to like save your sanity. Have they ever walked in on y'all? Oh God. I'm trying to remember. We've recently, we recently discovered, I'm embarrassed to tell you two years into the pandemic, she works remotely um, from home. So we've recently had like a lunch break sex date. Yes. I love it. Sleeping. And I was like, why have we not been doing this the whole time? But yeah, I mean, I think when, like when the, the oldest was like really little, I'm sure we had sex with him in the room. Like when he was like a baby, baby. And I'm like, I don't know. That's not weird. He's, he has no memory of like, some people get really weird about that, but I'm like, I don't think they'll remember. No. I only ask because I like always walked in on my parents. Like I have like memories of like four and five walking in on them. Sam has, she like has this ridiculous story of getting in so much trouble because she walked in on her parents having sex. But I'm like, I think my parents just locked their door. And at the time I would be like, why is your door locked? Jingling the handle. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, that's why their door was You're locked. like, oh, got it, got it. Our bedroom oh. door is broken. It doesn't even close. So <laughs> we'll oh see, no, we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, we've, we've been lucky so far, but you can here our five-year-old he lives like across the house upstairs so when he comes into our room either in the middle of the night or the morning it's like a herd of elephants running down the hall so you get a little bit of a warning oh Mm -hmm. good okay yeah any warning you can get obviously helps (laughs) yeah i don't want to make it sound like we have sex all the time because that is just not how our lives are at this (laughs) point (laughs) oh my god covid like destroyed my libido like the first half i was just like i can't even I can't even masturbate. I was like, the thought of even like masturbating was like too exhausting. I think everyone's libido is just like changed. And like, of course, like this, like we're still in it. Like that's so wild that Mm -hmm. we're still in this. Um, I did want to ask about your, your guide for two brides and just wanted to know like what you would say is like the number one tip you would give, um, couple same-sex couples right now when trying to get uh their wedding planned especially right now because like all the weddings are back now right like everyone's trying to get yeah i have to tell you i think that my book came out in 2014 25 maybe it was 26 okay i don't remember um everything has changed 
Like when we got married in 2013, which doesn't feel that long ago, Mm -hmm. it was like such a shock to people that two women were marrying each other. And we were planning like this big fancy, like we were both going to wear dresses. This is unheard of. And I'm like, what? Like, I look back at that now. And it was just one of those things where it's like, I was constantly on every form. I felt out like crossing out, like the word groom. And it's, it's like how we have to do now with our kids. It's like mother, father. I'm like, are you people ever going to wise up and just change your fucking forms? Like, yeah, there are different kinds of couples. There are different kinds of families, but yeah, it was such a different world back then. Like everything which I think actually worked in our favor because Sam and I don't really like to follow rules and we always wanted to do whatever the fuck we wanted. And so being two brides, we just felt like we can make all of our own rules. We don't have to do like anything we don't want to. We can wedding plan based on that. And I, and so that's how I really went, went ahead and wrote the book being very much like, do whatever the hell you want. But I would tell that to straight couples too. Like, you know, when people I love get married, I'm like, if you want my unsolicited advice, here it is. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> one thing I always stand by, and, and I don't want to, you know, hate on anybody because I've certainly been a very happy bridesmaids in the weddings of people I've loved. But like, grown women don't all want to wear the same dress and like a dress that you picked out for them that they have to go spend three hundred and fifty dollars on. And uh, grown women don't all want to match each other. And also, I think a lot of people forget that like, chances are those pictures of all of your friends in matching dresses, like they're not going to be on your walls forever. It's going to be pictures of you and your spouse. If if you have kids, it's going to be pictures of them. It's still pictures of dogs, like my dogs on my wall. So like, you know, I'm like, don't do that to the people you love. Let them choose their own dresses. (laughs) Yeah, I fully agree. I've just seen some terrible bridesmaids dresses. And I feel like part of it is because the bride wants to look the best. And it's also just like, it's already your day. You already look the best. Why are you trying to make people want uncomfortable like yeah. I had friends where they were like I this dress doesn't fit like not fit right but it's like this is not the right type of dress for like my body for my body like, yes. my boobs and it's like don't yes. do that yeah oh God, I totally con- agree we I think you will love this um we started wedding shopping or like venue shopping and we live in New York City and uh the pricing is just like horrific right I really thought maybe like the wedding industry would implode a little bit and it just got stronger. Yeah. Um, but there is in New York City a 9-11 discount because no one in New York City wants to get married on 9-11. Oh, my God. And it's my favorite fact to tell people. It's still not that great of a discount. Like we were still getting – I truly think um, one place was like $60,000 with the discount. And I was like, no. And so to go off of your point, we were both like – we were like, we cannot – do we just don't want to spend that on one day like we want to still go travel and like live mm-hmm. our life and do fun things so we were like we're gonna get married on the beach and like not like have um chairs and shit like that we were like y'all please do not give us gifts bring your alcohol we'll find food it's a beach day like yeah. we're gonna get married real quick because it's just like do whatever the fuck you want because it's it is a day and you don't have to abide by these rules even though Another thing I've noticed about weddings is everyone has a fucking opinion on your wedding oh, as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many. That, that's been hilarious. Like one friend was like making sure like, do we have backup dates for weather? And we're like, if it rains, we'll just do it the next day. Like it's a beach day. Like it's not the end of the world. We're not. What beach are you going to do this at? Do you know Rockaways in Queens? Yes. Yeah, we're just going to do it right next to Rippers. Um, nice. We got like a little like permit just to like cover our asses by the yep. city. And we were like, yeah. They were like, what are you doing? And we're like, we're just having like a lot of people in one spot. And they were like, fine. Totally cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Anytime you cannot call it a wedding, you can save yourself so much money. Yeah. But then I also found out that if you don't call it a wedding at certain venues, they can screw you over mm. and like double book you. But I don't know how true that is. And I was like, all these dumb rules. We so we actually had a rager of an engagement party in December 2012. Oh my God, this is all feeling so long ago. <laughs> at this awesome bar in Brooklyn called Larry Lawrence Bar. And we had so much fun. And I remember like at that party being like, we should have just like had an efficient and just surprised everybody and gotten married here because everyone's here. It was so fun. We, you know, our friends who lived across you know, in California would have killed us. Cause we were like, don't fly out for this. Like, we're not going to make you spend that kind of money, but yeah, yeah. it was just, there's once it's the actual wedding 
everything gets so intense where it's like, think, I always think about like, I always get so drunk at like my friend's rehearsal dinners or the whatever event they do the night before the wedding. Cause everyone's so excited. It's so much fun. And a lot of times it's more fun than the wedding. Cause it's so laid back. So yeah. if you can plan something that's just like, this is a fun beach day. We're all going to get drunk and have fun and enjoy each other. And you're also going to like watch us um, say our vows because we want to make a commitment. And yeah, the more laid back you can be, the better. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. It's been two years in the making because COVID obviously got in the way of that. So we're very excited. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cashback is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, I was just going to ask, do you have any like awkward sex, not Sam story that you wanted to, to talk about on the podcast? Can be Sam, does not have to be Sam can be from 17 doesn't have to be um i have so (laughs) so much awkward sex oh my god um my whole sexual history is just awkward sex yeah i mean i did already admit to my two blowjobs two bad blowjobs in one night Um, (laughs) i don't know if they were bad i have to hear from the men i think that i think you're putting that on yourself Yeah, honestly i think they were fine i'm you know I'm sure they were lucky them. Um, (laughs) yeah, I'm trying to think, oh my God, I'm just like, my face just wants to twist up and like cringe face when I think back to college and like all the awkward, weird sexual encounters. I remember once my friends and I were having, we were at my friend's beach house and there was, we were having a big bonfire and everyone was drunk and it's like her brother's her older brother's friends were all there. And, um, one of my friends who had a boyfriend was getting very flirty and handsy with this guy. And so I decided that was wrong. And so here is, um, how I took the high ground and fixed that. I had sex with him and stuff. (laughs) I just decided to steal him right out from under her and and go in the house with him. But I will tell you, I got a very comfortable pair of sweatpants out of the deal. Oh, nice. I used to like really be a thief for oversized like boys sweatshirts and sweatpants anytime I could. They don't make them well for girls. Like no. you have to get, you have to buy men's clothing if you want oversized sweats. Like yeah. it's just not the same. And being tall, like they were just, they were enormous. They were, so, I would have to roll them down like five times. Um, oh my God. I wore those for years to come. That made me think of um, when you said college, because I was like, I was such a late bloomer. I didn't have sex until I was 20. And I don't even know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I had sex with someone who we met through a friend. We were also in class together. And we ended up having sex 
on the basement stairs of his friend's house at this party. People like walked in and then unbeknownst to both of us until afterwards, I bled everywhere. No! Bled everywhere. I was wearing this like white t-shirt dress. It got all over that. He got it all over his like gray like undershirt. And then because it was his friend's house, he had to clean the blood off of the stairs. Um, afterwards, like in like the, like the next week. And I was like, oh, I was like mortified. Um, cause he like texted me off like and on, on our like flip phones and was like, um, (laughs) he was like, I'm cleaning your blood right now. And I remember being like, oh my God. And then I realized he was like, oh, it was so worth it. And I was like, oh my God, this is a sext. Like he wants to have sex again. He's turned on by cleaning up my blood, my blood, my vag blood. (laughs) And then we had had another He came over to my apartment. He went down on me. He was the first guy to go down on me. And so I was like faking an orgasm uh, as one does. As you do. (laughs) Yeah. And I hyperventilated and lost control of my hands. Like they got stuck. And he was like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. And then we just like never hooked up again. Uh, I had to go to class together. And we would just be very like we sat right next to each other and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of these things happening. Like, this is so it was so weird. But luckily he was like graduating in a month. But it was just like I it was just so back to back with the awkwardness of just like, oh, my God, like, is this what sex is? Like, <laughs> is it's it always so, going to be this awful. <laughs> right. It's going to be this awful. Um, I will give him like the sex was fun and was like good and didn't really hurt because I really thought it was going to hurt at first. Yeah. Um, but definitely like no orgasms. Yeah. for Sure. No. Of course. I mean, of course not. Um, I remember I think it was after my freshman year of college. I think I was home for the summer. We were out at this bar. And my, I remember my sister and I, she's a year older. We were both like flirting with these guys that had gone to our high school, but they were older. And I never really like hooked up with a guy from my own high school at this point. And we were both just like, okay, see you at home. And he drove me to the beach, down to the beach. And it was like, I remember the sun coming up and I was naked in the back of his car. I was so drunk. So I don't really remember everything we did. I don't think we had penetrative. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think we had sex. But um, I remember being like, oh, fuck, like, I got to go home. Like, my dad's going to kill me. And I remember <laughs> wa- like tiptoeing up the stairs and my bra was in my hand and looking up and my dad's in his bathrobe at the top of the stairs. And it is it is morning. It's sunny out. He's getting up for work and him being like, where have you been? And I was just like, oh, we were at my friend's house and playing beer pong. And, you know, we all lost track of time. And. And he was oh just like, God. I'm like, I'm going to go to bed now. Just like curling my hands around my bra so he couldn't really see what it was. And I think that's the closest I ever came to like getting like caught by my parents. But that was bad enough. That was not something you did, did in front of my dad. Oh, yeah. Did you ever have sex at like at your um, childhood house? Not until Sam. And I will t- I'll tell you something <laughs> so ridiculous. So my parents rule in my house because my brother and sister always had relationships. And I was like, just perpetually single um, in teenage life. And I would never hook up in my own house. Oh, actually, I did once. Anyway, so my parents had this rule where you, if a boyfriend or girlfriend or anyone was visiting, they had to sleep in separate rooms, you know, when we were all younger before marriage. And so the first time Sam came to stay, they had her all set up in the guest room and it's bedtime. And my mom like sneaks her into my room and I'm like, mom, <laughs> what are you doing? And she's like, you know, you and your girlfriends always, always share the bed. I'm like, yes, mom, but I don't have sex with them. Those are called sleepovers. And we just, I was like, is she, does she not understand the nature of this relationship? Like I, maybe at that point, at that point, she was like, she can't get her pregnant. I've raised two other kids. Like, who the fuck cares anymore? And just brought her on into my room. And I was like, okay, but if dad finds out, we're going to have trouble. Like, if dad finds out, this is all your fault, mom. Yeah. I was like, oh, I will throw you under the bus, girl. Oh, my God. That's so funny. So you could not – they were like, you can't – your dad was like, you cannot sleep together until you're married, like, under his house, basically. Yeah, or at least close. I'm sure by the time, like, 
because my brother waited forever to propose to his wife. So I'm sure they were probably sharing a room at that point. But yeah, you know, they had those early rules that eventually just got broken once there were too many of us and not enough rooms. Like you kind of have to have a mansion to have like three kids and then have all of their (laughs) significant others in their own rooms. So the rules got relaxed eventually. It's just so funny because it's such a parent move to be like, not in my house, even though they know, they know they're having, you're having sex. Like, I, yeah, like, I know. It's one of those like archaic, like, okay, parents, you gotta want to see it. Oh my God. Right. Oh my God. That's so funny. Um, I was the same way. I did not have sex or hook up. I was also like very nerdy and like not cool in high school, but I did not have sex in my parents' house until. Um, my fiance Aaron, and that was like twenty. I was twenty six or twenty seven when he like came for the first time to their house, and it was just. I remember being so excited to be like, "Yes, I finally get to see what this is like." And then I was like, "Oh, it's just like sex in a bed. It's just the same." Yeah, it turns out it's the same. Do you think your parents will listen to the podcast, like your podcast? To seventeen, I yeah. have let them know they can listen to episodes three, four, and five. Um, those are the <laughs> episodes they're allowed to listen to. Um, my mom was in episode three, so I I had to let her. I don't think I don't think my dad has listened at all, and he probably won't, and that's okay with me. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird. I don't know if like weird line to cross. It's like my parents have seen my show, like they've seen me tell awkward sex stories. They've seen me tell stories where there was like no one else in the audience, and I was just like staring at my dad, and like oh no. Luckily, they've been great sports about it because I'm the same. I've been very – my mom said the same thing of, like, watch out what you put online. And, like, this started out as a blog where I was just, like, talking all this sex and stuff. And it was just, like, same exact idea of, like, what if I just put everything out there? Um, But they get so protective. Like, they get so nervous that something's Mm going to happen to their their child, which I I understand that where that love comes from. But it is so just, like – they just aren't of the time of the internet in that same way too. Right. Like they have, and there's, listen, I still know people who have very private lives and I really respect that. (laughs) Wasn't for me when you're allowed now, (laughs) privacy isn't really a consideration. No, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've learned to communicate about so many things with my parents, but I also don't need to like throw too much of it in my dad's face. Like, um, dad, do you want to listen to the episode where I give two blowjobs at a party? Like, Mm, nah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think that's very respectful and fair. That's me. I'm just so, so respectful. <laughs> and so 17 is on all um, podcast streaming uh, platforms. Yes. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. It is out now. And um, yeah, it's fun. Amazing. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you all again for listening. Thank you so much, Laura Lee Abbey, for coming on the show. Remember, go like, subscribe, download all of this shit for 17. You're going to love it. Go share. Remember to like, download, rate, subscribe. Don't rate unless you're going to, if you're going to give me a bad one. Someone recently put, um, the show has to, talks too much about COVID, like your show used to be good. And do that person because I can't find you on the internet. And yeah, I fucking looked. Um, fuck you. Uh, I don't know what world you've been, li- been living in, but New York City was ravaged. Uh, and the trauma that was accrued is a lot. So um, fuck off. If this isn't the pod for you anymore, because sometimes we talk about COVID, you can suck my metaphorical dick. And anyone that gives me a bad review for Vocal Fry or any podcast gives a bad gives a bad review for Vocal Fry. Um, what a misogynistic piece of shit. I love how my voice sounds. And I will see you all next week. Bye guys.